You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the seventh straight day of our marathon on Oscar-nominated Best Picture nominees uh, leading up to the, the 1990th something or other 2019 Academy Awards. Uh, <laughs> the not-so-white Oscars, as <laughs> we're getting to. And uh, we are up to... This year's perennial Mexican entry, <laughs> Roma, and the first Netflix film to ever be nominated for Best Picture, uh, but technically not even the first streaming movie to be nominated. And um, we're going to be doing this one in English, sorry. There will be Mexican subtitles to go along with it, or will we? Uh, <laughs> my name is Colin, and uno, dos, tres, pola la tamales, delicio, ha <laughs> ha and my name is Ben, and I'm going to say the exact amount of Spanish words I know that I used when I was in Mexico. See, si, no Espanol, gracias, el Big Maco. <laughs> and now you can add Roma. Roma. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, let's get into this one. <laughs> we teased it and really gave nothing away yesterday, and I still don't know how you feel about it, because... You watched this one. I, I, w- I was going to watch this one when it was first released to Netflix, like back in December. And um, I didn't get to it right away. And then I was on vacation in January, like right before the um, the nominations came out. And I was planning on watching it. And then the nominations came out. I'm like, okay, I'll wait and watch these, you know, all with the other nominees. So you actually ended up watching this before me, even though I was waiting to watch this. And um, I saw you... Uh, put a tweet out about Roma and decided not to read it. Cause I'm like, I don't want to spoil myself because of all the movies we're covering, this seems like the least likely for Ben to ever <laughs> watch. It's a movie about a housekeeper, uh, kind of just mopping floors <laughs> in widescreen. Uh, <laughs> this is a great way to describe this. It is a glorious movie that should be presented on IMAX of mundane everyday activities in Mexico. Uh, is that a fair way of describing what you say? Yeah, saying? I mean, I've been to Mexico. This is basically all that happens when you go to Mexico. Nothing else. <laughs> um, yeah, and like, I think I think we did a bad thing in the fact that we watched this film basically back to back with a favorite. Like, we should have spread out these ones kind of uh, a little bit more. But I think, yeah, Mallory watched this with me, and again, we we were just trying to work out what the hell this movie was about half the time because we were like going, okay, mm-hmm. she's mopping floors. Um, there's a dog. There's a car that doesn't fit in the driveway. Um, all right, something's going to happen soon. <laughs> like we're just we're trying to work out what's going on. This is a Seinfeld of movies. Like it's just about nothing. I think. Um, yeah. I mean, look, it's yeah. You're right. Like this is the movie that I would least likely ever be to watch out of all these. This is the favorite. It will be yeah. you know movies I would never go out of my way to watch unless I have a reason to. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like it's it's still. I didn't hate this film. I, you know, I would watch this any day over the week over the favorite, but like, it's still maybe not one that I would necessarily go out of my way to watch again. I don't know. But like, I don't want to be that critical of it. Cause I, I think this is easily a film. I can see why it's getting so much credit and, you know, it's deserving of its, of its plaudits and everything. But yeah, I mean, not built for Ben Waterworth, uh, but I clearly think that movie makers these days, that's the first thing they think of. Like, oh, fuck, I wonder if Ben will watch this movie. You know, the weirdest thing about this movie is that I was expecting more story, and I don't know why, because, like, this this movie is made by Alfonso Corona, who uh, made this. 
the first movie I ever saw him make was um, uh, like before he even did English language movies was uh, I guess the last Mexican movie he made prior to this uh, called Itu Mama Tambien. And I just remember this movie came out and then there, it got such incredible reviews. And like a year or two later, people were saying, this is like the best movie of the decade. And I watch it and it was just two teenagers uh, kind of sleeping with this older woman. And it was similar to this where it was just like mundane every day. And I just ended up hating this movie that everybody else like, it's so brilliant. And I mean, maybe I was too young at the time to appreciate something that, you know, was so mundane and seinfeld like without the humor <laughs> but i hated that movie and then everything he's made since then like even if you look at like gravity there's no story to gravity i was expecting with this because of the way people were describing how incredible it was that it would have been this really powerful story because i kind of knew a little bit about like this this housekeeper and you know the 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 pregnancy or whatever and I'm still torn between is this a an average movie because the story itself is not interesting in any way and the characters are not that interesting in any way or is this an absolutely brilliant movie because every single shot of this movie like just had me with my, my jaw dropping like I was watching Interstellar or Dunkirk or a Christopher Nolan movie. Like It's amazing that this is a Netflix movie when I'm watching somebody mop a floor and I'm like, the way that Alfonso Corona is, is shooting this shot, this scene, I wish I could see this on an IMAX screen. Yeah. And and that's where I'm really torn with this. I'm like, I, I can't remember the last time, I don't know if I ever have seen a small scale movie like this that grabbed me this much visually. But really, that's all there is to the movie. I mean, it, it, can a movie be powerful if if it's just how great it looks? I think it can be. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot like there's that is it the very opening scene when there's just basically that long stationary shot of her mopping the floor, and then you see just the if you're paying yeah. attention, the plane the way it's like flying over just in the background, like it's mm-hmm. and there's like one thing that really stood out to me is just the camera work in this film, the way it kind of does that slow kind of like pan just across one room that you yeah. know it's like a long shot basically for a couple of minutes, and like there is just something about the way mm-hmm. it's done that kind of does draw you to it because. I mean, it's no disrespect to the acting in this movie, but, like, there's really, like, no that engaging characters, I feel, because it's kind of just, like... Yeah. It's it's, it's almost like you're watching a documentary in some aspects because it it does feel just very natural, I think, kind of what you're seeing. Like, this is Mm -hmm. legitimately how life is. It's not over-the-top acting. There's not, you know, stuff going on there that feels fake. Um, And, I mean, look, out of all um, of... Uh, I guess Alfonso's movies. I've never seen Gravity. Uh, I've never seen Children of Men. I've seen Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh. And I think I've seen a little... Pr- the only good Harry Potter movie. <laughs> I think I've seen a little princess. Um, <laughs> 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 coming soon to the Oz Network. But, um, yeah, I, I, like, I agree with everything you say. There's just something about this that kind of draws you in. And I often always like to make a, that weird comparison to the first time I ever saw Skyfall, where it's kind of like you just walk out of the movie and you're like... I don't know how I feel about that, but, like, I just want to see it again. Like, it's really good. Like, again, I don't necessarily want to see this again, but it's still done in a way where you come out of it going, like, uh, yeah, okay, I, you know. And, yeah. again, I'm glad I stuck with this one to the end. As far as the acting goes, like, I, I, I'm I, not going to say I have a theory on it as to why it didn't connect with me, because this is getting so much praise. I mean, the, the lead actress, uh, now, now it's my turn to butcher names, uh, Yelitsa... 
Aparicio, yeah, that, and then it. the uh, supporting actress nomination, <laughs> Marina de Tavira, mm. let's just say mm -hmm. that, uh, who plays the mother of this family. They both got acting nominations. They've gotten like a huge amount of praise. And I, I, I don't know if it's because it's in a foreign language. Like It's always going to be harder for you to really get a performance if you're having to read the words and you're not actually getting the full emotion because you can't watch a person and read at the same time. You can kind of like flip back and forth. I think the other part is just different cultures. Is they're going to have you know different not just styles of acting, but just the way that the characters are. And this movie's getting so much praise from people saying like it feels so authentic. Uh, maybe just for the Mexican culture, but for the time period because this is the '70s. Like that's before both of our times. Um, I wondered if like the look of this movie people are connecting with like the nostalgia of this so much as what I'm reading in the reviews, the same way that like our generation watches something like stranger things or like the TV show, the Goldbergs um, where it's, it's all reminiscent about like the late eighties, early nineties. And that's what people are watching this about for the seventies now. But with the acting style, maybe this is, you know, something where it's different cultures. Cause I know that a lot of people could watch, you know, um, like like a Chinese movie. Uh, Crouching Tiger is a good example because that was probably the last big one that came out. And that didn't get a lot of praise for the acting. But yet I watched that because I probably, you know, watch, I don't know, a dozen different Chinese movies a year just because I love that genre. Like whether it's historical ones or martial arts ones, I, I just love any type of Chinese movies. I kind of get their acting style differently. And you could probably say the same thing for like you know uh people who would watch german movies like there's i've seen like a handful of german movies and after a while you start to catch on like their movies are different the way that the people speak is different like their culture is different and i just think maybe because even though like canada is such a multicultural country we don't have a lot of mexicans here i mean they're, they're not going to choose canada over the united states um they will if wall goes up but otherwise <laughs> it's not a culture I'm familiar with. Therefore, it's not like a film style or acting style I'm familiar with. So I kind of walked away from this thinking, ah, these actors are kind of underwhelming, but I should just give the disclaimer that I'm not really familiar with this style or uh, uh, culture. So maybe that's why it didn't click with well, me. The thing that I found, I mean, my five days I spent in Mexico or my six days I spent in Mexico, uh, you know, clearly um, very much uh, appropriate for me to talk about how much I can connect this movie to that. But, you know, all seriousness, like the house, for example, like there were certain... You know, the way they kind of had the roof where they had, like, the washing basins and, like, the birds kind of just hanging out. there. Like, that was legitimate things that I saw when I was there and kind of when I stayed in the place I stayed in in Mexico. Just, like, little things like that where I was like, oh, yeah, that kind of feels like when I was in Mexico. But, yeah, I'm, I'm probably exactly the same as you. Uh, I mean, I don't think I'm quite as cultured as you are, Colin, you know, watching Chinese movies and that. Like, I... I saw a New Zealand movie the other day. Uh, I watched The World's Fastest Indian. That was good because that's based in where I'm living right now. So, you know, like I had to watch it finally. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I think it's kind of when you're not familiar with a style or, you know, a certain type of movie, I think it, it makes it interesting with the way you can sort of go on the acting. And I, I also think, too, it's the language side of things like, I don't know if I can really comment on whether these people are acting good or not because I'm too busy reading, I think, the words to really be able to understand if exactly. they're acting well by speaking Spanish. So, um, I mean, they got nominated for Oscars, so I guess so did Emma Stone, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
uh, between these two actresses, does one stand out to you more than the other? Because I have to say, the one who's getting all the praise from me, um, not not my praise, but the one that I'm noticing get all the praise is the lead actress who plays the the housekeeper. Mm. And I thought between the two, I definitely thought that the I, I understand the nomination for the supporting actress more for um, the the mother. Uh, this lead actress, though, like that's the biggest problem I have. And again, I, I found that I, I connected with the character because of the way her story plays out. But if you were to put her picture in front of me right now, I probably couldn't remember what she looks like. And maybe that's partly the movie too, because you're so drawn into look at the reflection of an airplane twenty thousand feet in the air in a puddle that's being captured in black and white. But I, I, the lead actress is forgettable for me. I, I like the mother. I, I kind of understand her. The, the lead actress, oh, I, I don't want to seem mean, but it's just like she, she seemed kind of boring to me. I think the thing with all of it, though, is that it sort of blends into me, going back to the fact where it kind of seems a bit real, uh, like it seems realistic, is that, you know, even when you've got a scene when it's like, say, when in the hospital and we've got all these doctors and things like that and the main character's... Um, boyfriend or whoever the lover whatever he is um you know i think kind of it's just to me no like you know when you're watching something and like you know no matter what you say about rami malik like the guy's you know he owns every scene he's in generally like he's the one who's owning what's on the screen right now laugh all you like but you know what i'm trying to say whereas like i (laughs) i feel as though it's only because nobody else has anything to do in that movie (laughs) i feel as though like when you're watching this like you don't have any moments like that like yeah, even when you've got the mother sort of involved, like I probably anyone in this film, I couldn't tell, you know, them by face. Like, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's all kind of blended in as one. I don't know if that makes any sense. But, um, I mean, you see a penis in this movie. So, I mean, that's maybe the only time I can be like, hey, I recognize his penis. Um, Jamie, did Jamie appreciate that scene? She didn't watch it. Oh, Jamie, the one time you see a doodle. Come on. Of course, it's rough, it's irritating, and it gets everywhere. There you go. It's everywhere. Um, one other thing that I found interesting about this movie is because Alfonso Crone, as long with all, all the other movies we're talking about this year, this, this is semi-based on his own experiences growing up. I don't know if the story, which really there's two stories here. I mean, you have the housekeeper story of basically getting pregnant and then not really being able to find her or, or uh, even have a conversation with the father. And then you have the, the mother where her husband's just sort of disappeared and uh, you know maybe pops back up late in the movie. And the whole question is, well, has he been around? Has he left her? You don't know. Nothing is spelled out in this movie. And I don't know if Alfonso Cuaron meant this because the movie's not told from the point of view of the kids. But to me, this almost felt like a movie where – it was being shown from like the point of view of somebody from the outside. Cause when you do find out like what's going on between the husband and wife or what the husband's doing, or even when you find out, you know, what's going on with this pregnancy and, you know, some of the things that happen after that, it's not spelled out for the audience in any way. It's almost like you're playing catch up. You come into the middle of a conversation. Like there's a scene where the, the kids come back home and their house is completely different. And I won't spoil everything that happens there. But you didn't really know that was coming. And all of a sudden, you're coming into it almost like one of the characters is not told. But it's just weird because it would make sense that if this were told from the point of view of the mother, 
she wouldn't know that much about this pregnancy storyline. Mm. But if it was told from the point of view of the housekeeper, she wouldn't know that much about the husband and wife's private life. But it's like all the stories in this movie, it, it's just sort of something happening in the background. And I found that kind of interesting to watch a movie. But I just uh, – my question would be like, is Alf- Alfonso Caron – doing this because as a child, these were the things he was witnessing. And it, it, it really was interesting to me because I think everybody can connect with, here's a person that I know really well and I see them whispering you know, in the other room and I kind of have an idea what might be going on, but nobody's ever going to confirm it for me. you know. And that's kind of the way this entire movie plays out is certain things are revealed to the audience, but nothing's spelled out completely. And you are kind of left from start to finish to wonder, Fill in the blanks yourself that you think is this what happened, if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, it does. And I think, though, that adds to the realism of it, where it, it kind of, it's a living, breathing world that we're just kind of dropped halfway through. Like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, he doesn't go out of his way to have a beginning, middle, and end, if you know what I mean. Like, there is a beginning, a middle, and an end. I'm not saying there isn't, but mm-hmm. he just dropped into it straight away. Um, and I think that kind of works. Like, you can definitely have movies where they do that and it doesn't work, but I feel like I agree with everything you're saying, but I don't know, there was just something about that that made it more interesting to me because it's just almost like somebody's brought in a camera crew and just going, okay, let's flick the switch here. I hear this woman might be about to get pregnant or something like that. So, like, you know, let's yeah. start watching this from this point on. Uh, really, it is visually that I think this movie is interesting to watch because every single shot, like, there's a shot where... There's, um, uh, I guess, a martial arts demonstration. <laughs> uh, Are you talking about the and... naked one? <laughs> yeah, well, no, okay, that, not that one. That, I actually did try to get Jamie's attention. I'm like, Jamie, there's somebody doing naked martial arts. And she's like, oh, that's nice. It's and a male. She just kept cooking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I should have specified. Um, but I'm talking about the one where it's like out in a big field. Mm, oh, yeah. And nothing in that scene should look interesting. There's kind of just like they're in the middle of a desert and it's a bunch of guys. It's not like... It's perfectly uniform, like in one of my great Chinese movies, you know, where they're all in their uniforms. Um, they're sort of wearing, like, jeans and T-shirts. And then there's a guy who's doing what you think is going to be an incredible move, and he ends up just sort of standing on one leg with, like, his hands. Which, by the way, he presents in this movie as being impossible. As I was watching that scene, I did it. I stood that way for two minutes and then decided to get my foot down just because I was getting bored. That is not that hard to do. <laughs> Like, that's my complaint about this movie, this miraculous move. Oh, how does he pull that off? But you're watching just this really boring-looking move, and the scene looks just beautiful. And there's scenes where they're just walking through the streets of the hospital. And maybe it is in part that it's a culture I'm not familiar with. And like you said, there's things you would watch us and recognize. Like, Jamie and I just sort of were looking at a house, not even at a house, but, you know, looking at a prospective house that we might, you know, uh, look at to potentially buy. And she's looking at the floor. She goes, the floors kind of remind me of, like, the floors in the Bahamas. You know, like, y- you can connect with something you've seen before. But even if you haven't, you're watching this, and you're like, it just looks different. And the fact is, there isn't a single – I honestly don't think there's one shot in this movie that I couldn't do a freeze frame of and not just stare at for, like, an hour straight. So I'm almost leaning towards maybe this movie is semi-brilliant because it has this hypnotic spell over me where I want to watch airplanes, <laughs> reflections, and puddles. I wonder if, too, like, it's the black and white aspect of it as well because i mean it's i mean has it ever been explained why he decided to do this in black and white is that to add the authenticity because the 70s in mexico were only in black and white like um i I don't know like (laughs) i don't know if like that makes it a style where you do appreciate a lot more kind of these artistic shots because maybe you know with the two-tone of color like you're gonna notice this 
you know, plane flying over the top or kind of if you freeze frame, you're going to notice things slightly different because we're so used to visually seeing things in colour. So, I mean, look, it's been a very long time since I've watched a black and white film. Uh, You know, back in the days when I used to, you know, the talkies came about, like it was a big deal. But, like, yeah, I I don't know. Like, I feel that that adds a visual aspect to it for obvious reasons. It's in black and white. It's visually different. But... Like you, you watch it in a in a different way, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I think this is just sort of my idea, but I think it being black and white, and just even looking at the poster for this, if you're seeing things in color, your eyes are sort of drawn all over the place. Oh, there's something green, there's something blue, and you know, uh, movies can kind of tone it down with the costume choice. Over, but when it's in black and white, you're really just looking at what's presented in the shot, and you're not ever looking at one thing as a whole. And I think that's one of the other reasons why. It, I watch this movie and I feel like I wish I could see this on an IMAX screen because everything just stands out like as one picture to you, if, if that makes any sense. But um, I mean, this is I, I have to scroll down to see here. But is this nominated for cinematography? Do you have that in front of you? Uh, I will come back to you with that one. Um, it's been nominated for well, it 10 is nominated films, <laughs> 10 Oscars, I should say. Yeah. Uh, cinematography, Picture. yes, it is, yes. Uh, alongside Cold War, The Favourite, okay. Never Look Away, and A Star Is Born. Okay, so we got two black and white movies in here this year, like this and Cold War for cinematography. And I know that um, uh, Schindler's List won, and I, I'm pretty sure there was a, a Coen Brothers movie that was done in black and white that at least got nominated, but I don't think won. But people don't really make black and white movies anymore, but every time a black and white movie comes out, it seems to get a cinematography nomination. And I wouldn't argue, like, between these movies, just looking at it on paper here, I, I haven't seen Never Look Away, um, but I would lean towards this easily getting a cinematography. I don't think there's any way this doesn't get cinematography. Um, as I said, actress and supporting actress, I don't really... Supporting actress is just sort of a crapshoot this year because, let's be honest, the category is average at best um as most of the acting categories are i don't see uh yalitza getting best actress this is probably a lock i think for picture and director at least my opinion um, foreign language film this is gotta that, be the one to interrupt you there this has to be that's, the absolute oh, lock right you know this is something that's frustrating me because i remember th- throughout like the 90s early 2000s there was always something for the like life is beautiful mm-hmm. It bothered me that Life is Beautiful got a Best Picture nomination yet was still eligible for foreign language. Now, if you are among the top five movies of the year and you are also nominated in foreign language where there are four other movies that did not get a Best Picture nomination, it's it's there's no point to having it as a competition. And I think they removed that at some point because I don't know if it was Crouching Tiger or something else after that that got a Best Picture nomination and then wasn't in the foreign language category because it really doesn't make sense but yeah that almost feels like an unfair thing like it's eligible for an award that no other movies are eligible for here but yeah obviously that is going to be a lock but it's just frustrating me that that's allowed to happen because there's no point to the other four nominees ever being there i mean in this case maybe cold do you think that's the same though since they've introduced best animated feature that say like toy story 3 for example when that got nominated for best picture like should it still be eligible for should that automatically remove it do you say i would say no yeah Hmm. it's interesting like i I say definitely if if a document yeah i definitely can't disagree with that because i mean it kind of does have an unfair advantage i feel yeah they had that um, – I know the rule came up with documentaries because the documentary has never been nominated for Best Picture. Uh, but 
there was the year that Fahrenheit 9-11 came out and Michael Moore, you know, being kind of power hungry at the time, said, I'm going to remove myself from the best documentary category because I think we have a shot at winning best picture. And he actually had the movie removed from even being eligible for documentary because that was the only way he could go for best picture. But again, maybe things have changed since then. Even if it hasn't, it's just it, it, it makes for a boring category. I mean, not that many people are following the foreign language category well, unless there's like a Chinese. I movie. don't know, Colin Hilding. I, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Kappa Norm, Kappa Naum, uh, currently the lowest ranked favorite in the best foreign language film category here. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for that film. Don't know what it's about. Don't, it's probably about like Hitler's good or something like that. I don't know, but like, <laughs> why not? Why not? Why not? Um, Coming soon. Kappa Nom <laughs> to the Oz Network. I need to find out what this movie's about actually. <laughs> Can we find out with like the last time a Lebanese movie one foreign language, or if a Lebanese movie has ever won foreign language. Uh, look, um, I, I'll i just ring Lebanon. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm looking at this category, like, Poland, okay, well, you understand, like, if you say, oh, Polish movie won, okay, yeah. German, yeah, Spanish, Japanese, Lebanese, like, I don't know of any other Lebanon films ever made. Well, it received a 15-minute standing Cairns. ovation at Cannes last year, like, come on! Um... Does it say the list of countries by number of Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film? Here we go. Uh, let's have a look here for Lebanon. Uh, it's been nominated twice and never won. So, oh, um, you know what? <laughs> the, like justice for Lebanon. Yeah, hashtag this justice for Lebanon. So- <laughs> Oscar so Polish, German, Japanese, Mexican. Come on. Canada has been nominated for uh, seven. And it has won one in the best yes. foreign language film. Um, Barbarian Invasions, right? Uh, sure. Uh, and Australia has <laughs> been nominated for one and not won it. Uh, I do actually remember that. It was an Indigenous film, I believe. <laughs> um, so uh, the most for those playing at home, uh, Italy has won 14 times after from 31 nominations. Oh. And France uh, had 12 wins from 39 nominations and a big gap down to Spain for four. So, um... Oscar's so French, come on. <laughs> but it even tells you here numbers of submitted films. So Italy, France, and Japan have all submitted 65 films in the history of that category. Poor old Japan's only ever had four wins from it. Um, and, oh, Mor- Mauritania has had submitted one film and had one nomination, but didn't win. So, yeah, there you go. You know, we're making it... We're making it our position that we are pulling for Capernaum yes. from the great country of Lebanon on. this year. I want to know here how the United Kingdom target. has been nominated twice for Best Foreign Language Film. <laughs> like, Australia, you can explain it because we've got, like, an Indigenous language. Well, many Indigenous languages. What's the Indigenous language of the United Kingdom? Freaking English! <laughs> Let's find out. Yes. <laughs> we continued on our previous episode. Um... Okay, so I mean, think we think this is pretty much a lock for picture director. I mean, we'll get to a preview later on, but that would be my guess. Yeah, I think that um, this is going to win at least three, minimum three, four, uh, with cinematography. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, looking quickly, if you go through, uh, it's favorite for picture, uh, favorite for director. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, favorite for cinematography. 
It is also favourite for... Oh, I was going to say best song. Yes, that great Mexican version of Shallow that we heard in it. Um, <laughs> visual effects. Sadly, miss out on visual effects. Uh, <laughs> uh, lock for foreign language. Films. So, yeah, there's four that I... Yeah, it should win four because it's favourite for four. So, yeah, that's where I'm going to go for it. That's got to make it the most, like... Surely that will win the most then because I, I think it'll be shared around a lot with the other categories, won't they? Yeah, let's just hope it's not... Bohemian Rhapsody. Hey, um, <laughs> come on. That only got nominated for five. <laughs> um, what are you going to do with this? I, I still don't know if I've gotten an opinion out of you as to what you thought of this movie. Would you buy it, Rent It, Bennett? I'm not going to buy it. Um, <laughs> but, like, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't... You don't have to read? Come on. Can we just point out that I just basically read a book? This whole movie is two hours of me reading. <laughs> That's what he'd like to read a book. Um... I'm probably going to give it a low rent. Like, I don't want to bin it. Like, I feel bad for binning it because I don't. I didn't, like, hate it. Like, I thought I was going to hate it. As I said, I got about halfway through and I'm thinking, like, fuck, I'm not going to make this two in a row. But I did and it had some interesting stuff. So, um, and it just visually, it's so interesting to watch. And, yeah, I, I'm going to rent it. A low rent for me. I'm going to buy this, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I... I, I still have to say, I don't know if I'm absolutely crazy about this movie, but it's interesting and it's different than anything I've seen before, although it shouldn't be different. It's it's so it's so spectacular and being boring that <laughs> I kind of liked it. Just, just, just be more um, boring! Uh. <laughs> come on! But, uh, yeah, I think I'll kind of buy this one. Kind of buy and it. And <laughs> we've only got one left, so... I'll kind of buy it, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure by the time we do our preview episode, I'll, I'll form a full opinion on this movie. But as for now, I'm going to buy it. Um, we've got only one left, and it's A Star is Born. Um, the, uh, I guess the last one that we previously reviewed, but I'm going to get to give my opinion on this one because I wasn't there for the first. You weren't. Um, anything you want to say on A Star is Born? Um, look, I enjoy A Star is Born. I think... Um... You know, when we did the initial review months ago, kind of, you know, I was talking about how, like, this is probably going to sweep the Oscars. I was one of those people saying that, like, you know, it's going to get a lot of credits for it. Um, but, look, I, I'm a big Bradley Cooper fan. I like Lady Gaga. Um, it was a movie that I actually wanted to see last year because I think even Mallory said in our review episode, like, you wouldn't shut up about this movie. You wanted to see it more than I did. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's going to look good. Um, on a second viewing, <laughs> I mean, it's still good. Um, but... You know, I think kind of having seen all the other ones, there's definitely better movies than this in that category. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to talking about it because I think the thing that kind of comes out of it is, you know, everyone's obviously talking about how good Lady Gaga is as an actor and they're so surprised. And, you know, I saw her in American Horror Story a couple of years ago and I knew how good she was in that. So it kind of wasn't a surprise to anybody who'd seen her act before. But I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it because to me it's a movie that I don't think you generally probably would like. So, yeah, I'll see if I'm wrong. Well, I'll save all my real opinions on this movie for tomorrow. I'll just tell you, this wasn't one I wanted to see. I have um, maybe an irrational hatred for Bradley Cooper. Aww. I wouldn't say hatred, but an irrational vendetta against Bradley Cooper, which goes back to the TV show Alias that he got his break on, where he was so bad in that <laughs> that I just wanted him to die. And... <laughs> I wasn't the only one because even J.J. Abrams, this is like post-Bradley Cooper being a, and J.J. Abrams being a big supporter of Bradley Cooper, be like, 
he did not work on that show and the audience did not like him at all so we wrote about <laughs> um, but ever since then i've always have a tough time every time i see a bradley cooper because i never get excited for seeing his movies but there are a couple like limitless i really like limitless um i thought he was great in the a team um i didn't care for american sniper but uh like silver lines playbook thought he was great in that so i wouldn't even call a love hate relationship i i think i have a i have a frustration with bradley cooper <laughs> that makes it hard for me to want to watch movies and to add to that when I saw the trailer for the first time, I turned to Jamie and I said, I don't care if you want to say that. That looks so bad. <laughs> um, and did I, do I still hold to that having seen it now? Stay tuned for more to find out. I think we need Jamie on the episode. I feel like it'd be a very Jamie move. She doesn't like Bradley Cooper either, doesn't she? She hasn't seen it. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... This would have been the perfect... Because, like, Jamie... Bradley Cooper is... Like, he's not Keanu Reeves' Henry Cavill, but he's pretty close for Jamie. Oh, I thought so she didn't the like fact him. that uh, she's not on this. Yeah, no, I'm the one who doesn't like him. <laughs> well, Mallory didn't really like him that much, but then she saw this movie and she's like in love with him now. So, yeah. Well, we'll have opinions all around on Bradley Cooper next time, just like uh, the Oscar voters. Um, so, that will be the last, but we're still going to do a preview episode after that. So if you've been watching these along with us or not watching it, just listen to our opinions. Uh, we'll get to even a few more that aren't nominated for Best Picture in 48 hours. But 24 hours from now, it's going to be A Star is Born uh, with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga and Sam Elliott and a couple of cameos from much better actors from Alex Alias, Baldwin. which I'm excited to talk about. <laughs> and Alex, who's in everything we review now. I think he has surpassed Tim Allen <laughs> as the most covered and Arnold Schwarzenegger is the most covered Oz Network actor. Well, I was Notting We're Hill the other day, and I completely forgot Alec Baldwin's in Notting Hill. I'm like, fuck, it's Alec Baldwin again. Go away. Stop being in things. I, I, I didn't even realize he was in that. It's like a blink and you miss moment. He's like um, Julia Roberts's character. Like Black Lands. Yeah, he's like Julia Roberts's character's boyfriend who flies in to surprise her when um, she's in London, and he's, she's about to bring Hugh Jackman up. Uh, Hugh Jackman, Hugh Grant, <laughs> Hugh Jackman's cameo in Notting Hill. Um, yeah, anyway, Notting Hill, great movie. We should cover that soon. Okay, well, Oscar so white, Oscar so Mexican. Um, let's just say Oscar so Baldwin going forward. <laughs> <laughs> let's get some variety. Why hasn't he won an Oscar? Um, Hashtag give Alec Baldwin an Oscar. <laughs> as soon as he stops appearing in Best Picture nominated films, <laughs> he'll finally get one. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised it didn't come from Pluto Nash. Oh, yes. that's just my <laughs> and the and, and cat in the hat. Anyways, like and the cat. In, oh, um, I mean his chest hair though. If there's ever an Academy Award for chest hair, he's got it. Oh, come on, peace, bros. Can we do? Well, let's make that Jamie's category. Best chest hair of 2018. Mm, peace, Brosnan just wins it because he's got chest hair. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, anything else. Uh, come back tomorrow and then the day after and then watch the Oscars with us. Um, my name is Colin, a star is born, and Roma, a baby dies. <laughs> and my name is Alec Baldwin. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.